0: We're Rachel and Erica, and this is the Autoimmune and You podcast. Neither of us took one answer as our truce when we were diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, and we want you to do the same. There is so much information out there, so many people telling you what or what not to do, and we know how confusing it can feel. This podcast is about breaking past your limits and fears and
1: realizing that different things work for each of us. You are the creator of your own journey, and guess what? You can do whatever the fuck you want.
0: Everyone, welcome back to Autumn Mute and You. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Lindsay Mitchell. She's my vital side on Instagram. I found you, I think, at the beginning of the year, as I started getting into nervous system regulation uh techniques and information, and you were the one of the people that I came across. And I also saw that you had chronic Lyme disease, and you've gone through this journey, and your emphasis is on brain retraining, which is shifting our thoughts, emotions, and physiology through different mental and somatic practices, and so that kind of aligns with the information that we have most recently been sharing a lot about on our podcast, Um, so welcome. Welcome. Thank you so
2: much. Yeah, I am really excited that y'all are so interested in this information. It is, you know, a, I think it's when you get to this place, it's a turning point for people with chronic illness and symptoms Mm -hmm. to start thinking about their healing journey from a different perspective. So I love how y'all are super interested in it now.
0: Yes. And I love in your bio, it says, on Instagram, it's a modern and flexible approach to nervous system regulation for chronic symptom relief. And I feel like the word flexibility has been a reoccurring theme throughout our podcast and through our own healing journeys. And if you were to listen back to like, at the start of our podcast, it's like that we started this like, what going on three years now. Mm -hmm. So like at that time, we thought you know, we were really flexible, but if I listen back, like the way that we were approaching our diet and our routines and our regimens, it's like, we look back, we're like, oh, okay. And then like to see how we both have evolved through the flexibility and how it's helped us regulate our nervous system even more and lessen our chronic symptoms. Cause we both uh, have been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, but to me now I just see them as symptoms of the body. I don't get too into the label of it. But anyways, that 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 flexibility is a running theme, especially with our previous guests. We had like Amanda Nova from uh, Instagram, Amanda Nova Wellness. She's amazing. She dealt with uh, Lyme disease. We've had Madison from the Gut Goddess, and like time and time again, we just keep hearing this theme of flexibility. So I'm I'm we're interested in learning more about your journey and how you came to this point of like understanding how flexibility is key to healing chronic symptoms.
2: It's funny because flexibility, like you said that, and I immediately thought, yeah, when you're healing from chronic illness, you think flexibility is like, okay, what gluten free, dairy free, like mm-hmm. paleo <laughs> snack can I have like from mm-hmm. one to one thirty? And it's like you're like, I'm giving myself that permission to be flexible, and so like, I'm sure you all had that experience of, oh, of looking yeah. back and being like, oh, that that isn't flexible, mm-hmm. um. there's an element to like control that we think we have to have over a lot of things in our lives, but specifically when it comes to healing, it becomes so regimented and rigid. And I think we've all been there where we've been on those like protocols and diets and, you know, whatever it is, treatment plans that are super rigid. And Mm -hmm. that rigidity creates Like feeds that fear response, feeds that stress response. And so when it comes to regulating the nervous system, you cannot lead with rigidity or fear because that will just exacerbate the cycle of stress. And I heard you talk about it in like a more recent episode of, you know, being in that state of fight, flight or freeze is it makes it almost impossible to do anything Else, right? Do you do any like take the supplements or eat the foods that are good for you or digest properly? So when you apply that same outlook of like rigidity to your nervous system regulation plan, it mm-hmm. will quickly you know blow up in your face if you are not um focused on how can I allow myself, how can I give myself permission to do things differently? today, like regulate my nervous system in a different way, right? What does my body need? What, what tool makes the most sense for me at this time? So yeah, I think flexibility is huge when it comes to the process of nervous system regulation.
1: Mm -hmm, Totally. Mm -hmm. And something that comes up for me is that um, when you were mentioning like the gluten-free, refined sugar-free snack, it's like We, I firmly believe that in every stage of our journey, we are being flexible to what we believe, right? At each stage. And that just gets more and more genuinely flexible. And we allow ourselves that permission and that freedom to a bigger extent to the point where we are now. And I guarantee you, now we'll look back at our journey in two more years and say, oh my God, I thought that was flexibility. (laughs) And I think it's a really beautiful evolution of the journey, right? Like, I know that, like, for Erica and I, like, a lot of our clients that come to us are either at the very beginning and they ha- they feel like they need a little more flexibility, but they also are really scared to have that flexibility. Or they're far in their journey and they've been so, so, so rigid and so like regimented that far that then they have to learn that it's okay to find that flexibility. They don't have to have that fear because they've tried literally everything else. And so like coming at it from a scope of curiosity is something that I work so deeply with my clients on is like, let's find that joy. Let's find that fun. Let's find like a sense of curiosity because that's where you're going to start to step over the fear. Like you're not going to necessarily completely overcome it, but you can bypass it a little bit and like a little bit at a time. And it makes it just a little bit more enjoyable along the way.
2: That's beautiful. And so well said. And I think that is so important. And I know, you know, if you have heard of nervous system regulation before, it's like this process of putting on these unbiased observer goggles. Mm-hmm. So I think about it of like like I in in college, I studied molecular biology. And I literally on a Saturday night would sit with a microscope and like look at worms and um, look at nematodes and uh watch how they responded. Basically I I don't need to get into why I was watching the worms, but it was like I'm not even gonna go there. I was gonna bring up omega-3 and six fatty acids. It doesn't matter. I
0: was you watching, go wherever you want.
2: <laughs> I was watching these uh nematodes basically, like the autophagy process in in the nematode. And and I would sit there and and look at them, and I wasn't trying to get anything out of them. I would watch them and I took pictures and pictures and pictures and I would just try to understand how they were responding. So I used that same visual for, you know, when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and obviously like working through the process of, of nervous system regulation, what that meant to me. So I like visualized myself of like looking at myself under that microscope, how am I responding? Right. How am I how is fight flight showing up in my body how is freeze showing up in my thoughts you know how am i currently responding and it's it's not a bad thing it's not a good thing it's absolutely neutral and you're collecting information just like i did at the end of the night and like wrote down exactly what you know i saw under the microscope and so we can use that same idea and apply it to our healing journey and that way we're not judging ourselves so when i have people go through a vital side program i actually had someone ask me yesterday like am i supposed to measure my progress based on the magnitude of my symptoms and mm-hmm. I thought that's such a good question, but the answer is no, because healing looks like ups and downs, and it's this roller coaster ride. Like we all know that. So we can't measure our progress based on how often we ex- experience symptoms or the exacerbation of symptoms mm-hmm. or anything like that. How we can measure our progress is through achieving small 1% goals. Like, did Mm, I do that? Did I get to that point? And then we're like, oh, wow, I did that. But it has nothing to do with the symptom, Mm, right? It's like, oh, I walked to the mailbox feeling a sense of ease in my body. So it's like connecting with what that feels like first, and then slowly taking those daily steps and if you're if you're judging yourself based on your symptoms being expressed you're never going to get anywhere because yep what you need to do instead, like the, the crux of nervous system regulation is modeling, modeling safety Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. your body again and again. Hey body, this is what safety can look like. This is what safety can feel like. So whether it's like a a quick tool you used on TikTok, like, you know, blowing out the lips or shaking out your body or a full-on meditation practice, the outcome of how you feel doesn't matter as much as the message, which Mm -hmm. is, I am modeling safety to you. And this is what safety can look and feel like. And then your body begins to respond over time, not overnight, but over time begins to get that message.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I love absolutely the way that you explain that. And I think, you know, both of us have just really, for me, I think since the pandemic, you know, I started reading, uh, uh, Nicole, Dr. Nicola Perez, you know, how to do the work and then like learning more about the vagus nerve and all of this stuff and connecting the dots for my own journey, because For me specifically, at the start of my journey, I operated a lot of that from control because I was always in that sympathetic state. I was that perfectionist overachiever. So for me, I looked at this healing journey as like, I need to control everything that goes in and out of myself, right? And then throughout that I started, you know, learning the the practice of mindfulness, just witnessing with non-judgment, curiosity, and compassion. And so over these seven years, I realized like the mindfulness work that I had been doing was a foundation too to regulating my nervous system because I was focusing on the process versus the destination. And I was also focusing on the intention of what I was doing versus the goal. And so I feel like that is also really key to helping us regulate because it's like, it's a process. There's no like end in sight. There's no like one day you wake up, you're like, wow, I'm regulated, right? It's just finding yourself in these small moments where you're like, whoa, I didn't get so worked up as I normally did. I was able to come back into my window of tolerance fairly quickly, or, you know, this person upset me and, I was able to check in with my body and how I felt, and you know, quickly come back into that place of safety and like realize, like, those person's actions are a representation of me, and like, you know, all these small little moments. And it's hard because I think a lot of people ask, like, well, how do I regulate? And I think it's unique, it's individual to the person because we've all had our past experiences and trauma. And we all have our current life situation. So like, it's not a one step, two step, three step process that everyone is going to be able to go through and be like, wow, I'm regulated. It's like, it's a more like personal experience that you have. And to know now where I'm at was not something I consciously was working towards seven years ago, because I didn't know about nervous system regulation, but it was just showing up for myself, small practices, mindfulness, meditation, movement, breath work. It was like a combination of all of these things. But of course, we're going to go into all this. But one of the first questions that we have for you is what is something that you cannot live without? It could be a thing. It could be a practice. It could be a person. Anything really.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question because like how I've lived most of my life, I try not to have to have anything Mm -hmm. so I like I am I love a challenge (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. I love like a body challenge too so I remember when I was in PA school which is you know a a, studying to become a physician associate and I would do these rotations and I was on a surgical rotation and you know, I started drinking a lot of coffee because I had these overnight... I I was in trauma surgery and I had these overnight shifts. And um, so I would, like, be drinking tons of coffee. And I remember, like, right in the middle of my rotation... I was like, I'm not going to drink coffee, which was a horrible decision at the time. Cause like I'm <laughs> weaning off coffee. I have 24 oh hour God. shifts. <laughs> like that was a bad decision, but it's just kind of a snapshot into my mind. Like I love doing challenges like that and not relying, like not having to rely on anything in particular Mm -hmm. so if I ever find myself like getting addicted or whatever to coffee or to social media or like whatever it is I'm Mm -hmm. like whoops okay got to do a reset (laughs) got to do a shift got to do a change so I will say one thing that I couldn't live without is like a movement practice. I am a very kinesthetic, tangible person. Every single day I need to move in some way, if it's like mm-hmm. simply walking. Um but usually it's like waking up in the morning, doing a med- doing a meditation in bed and then getting out and doing some sort of movement practice like a yoga or dance or like moving my body in some way like that is necessary for for my ability to thrive
1: I absolutely love that and I know that we both agree with that um -hmm. it's something that has definitely like been a pillar on my entire journey from the very 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 beginning because as I was on bed rest um after I was like before I was even officially diagnosed I couldn't move my body and I was like journaling so much just to simply release I've always been like I've always written most of my life I've always been a journaler and like this was like okay this is like I need this now this is not just for fun I need to write these things down. And one of the things that I kept writing down that I missed so much about my quote unquote old life was movement and like getting outside. And so it's something that I hold so freaking close to my heart is that even if there are days that I'm like flared up and like my knees are really hurting me and stuff, I still can walk. I still can move and it actually feels better to be moving than not. So I wholeheartedly agree with that and love that answer.
2: Yeah, I think I think some people are more like and everyone is a little bit different. But I think some people like need that, like need that experience to move their body. Other people like it's a a need to like listen to music or, or something like that. And for me, it's always like my husband is like that. He he like loves music and he loves it so much that he listens to it. He knows the words. He's dyslexic too, and so he knows the words like immediately and understands them. It's beautiful, and for me, I'm just like dancing. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, <laughs> I like the song, and I'm just like dancing. And he's like, okay. So it's it's funny that the needs, but I I've learned in my practice and doing this for about six years now is like some people are more just kinesthetic physical learners, so they like to do where some people Mm -hmm. like to hear and listen, or some people like to visualize. So it's just an interesting thing when people have those like specific likes and Mm -hmm. and needs. I was
0: going to say it's another like um, solidification of that, you know, our needs are individual to each person. So if we're trying to model what somebody else is doing to regulate their nervous system or to bring happiness or bring joy we may not be experiencing the results that we're expecting because we're looking to somebody else for that. Like you have to tune into yourself and like, what are your needs? What do I need? What are the things that make me feel safe, that make me feel grounded, that make me feel alive? And so I think that's an important note to take is that, yeah, we we do things differently and we feel things differently.
1: Mm-hmm. And I really like how you mentioned that you learn through movement and that some people are just more kinesthetic learners. But I think there's something to be said for every single person having an opportunity to do that learning through movement and to learn how to be safe in your body, to learn that it doesn't have to feel awkward to, to shake and to dance and to bounce Mm -hmm. and to learn that sometimes maybe it does feel awkward in the beginning, but you can get past that. And you can also expand so much. Like there's so much to be said for any different type of movement. And the fact that there's so many different ways that the human body can Mm -hmm. move. And there's so many different ways that you can like release this stagnant energy through movement and I think that it really should be a pillar for anyone on their journey because I have never heard of someone on their journey saying once they've found the type of movement that works for them. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna, Like it's not just any movement. It's not like everyone has to do hit training. Everyone has to do yoga. But like once you do find the thing for yourself, I've never heard of someone being like, yeah, I found the thing that feels good. And like, eh like it's fine i've only yeah. ever heard i found the thing and oh my god it feels like a movement meditation it feels like i'm a new person afterwards it feels like i'm back home in my own body or my mind or i can take my mind off of things there's always something on the other side of that yeah
2: take hey, take the term movement movement is life movement movement is what we're doing all the time movement is evolution, so if we are not moving or evolving we're dying. Movement of emotions. 90 seconds is the lifespan of an emotion. If we allow that emotion to move through us without attaching a story onto it, then we move forward. Moving our bodies, this physical exertion of energy is shifting and changing the neurochemistry, the hormonal production we have in our bodies through signaling a new way of being. So movement, however you want to look at Mm -hmm. it from any angle is the process of life Mm -hmm. and so I like what you said being able to you know yeah apply that to our physical bodies and understanding what works for us but movement is life and movement is what we are doing all the time and if we're not we're not moving forward and that's not living yeah
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. If you think about like people that are sedentary, they have the most chronic diseases. If you look at people that are sitting in assisted livings, right? Just sitting in a wheelchair, those people have shorter lifespans and people that are out moving and gardening and, you know, being connected to their community. So it is absolutely very important. And for me, you know, rock climbing has been like my source of movement since I was 24 years old. So when I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and I had to stop climbing. I was like, I need to find other ways to continuously move my body till I can get back to a place of rock climbing. Cause for me, it's not about like the strength. It's not about, you know, adventure. I mean, those things are nice, but for me, climbing is helping me bring myself into the present moment and like fully being on in my body, you know, so it's, it's such a beautiful thing that I feel very grateful to have found because it's actually fun for me. It's not like, oh, I have to go rock climbing, you know, it's like the thing that I really greatly look forward to. Um, So the next thing is like, we want to learn about your journey. Like, what were you like before you got Lyme? You know, what was your process of healing from Lyme and maybe other chronic symptoms that you were experiencing? And then how did it lead to you to where you kind of are today, and how you approach healing?
2: Yeah, I'll definitely go into that. And and one more caveat to to just movement in general, it it's not always physical, right? For those of us who have been bedridden, like that was me too. It's it's that growth piece of like yeah. moving forward. So if if you are bedridden today, listening to this, it's yeah. not always just the physical body, but it's that actionable item of moving forward. So prior to you know getting my chronic illness um you know I've always been just a, a really active like learner curious like very curious person and I think like a lot of us you know I I grew up in a household like a loving household but I dealt with trauma as a kid and I dealt with abuse from my mentally ill uh father and I quickly like as a child and like as a teenager, you know, was in that state of protection, like trying to protect myself and really like birthed out of some of those traumatic experiences. And, you know, I like a pivotal moment for me, was like, when I had those, that traumatic experience, you know, year, really, it was a year of my life. From that, I took away this belief that I had to be strong all the time. And so I did. So I pushed my way through most of my life, like this experience of being strong. So, you know, that allowed me to to do really hard things and to um, you know, apply for the hard internships and to do the hardest thing that I could think of, which was molecular biology. <laughs> um, and, you know, so in a lot of ways, like a lot of my best qualities are birthed from trauma. And like, I hate love when people say that, because, you know, of course, you don't want to have that happen. But, you know, we have mm-hmm. these experiences of life, and I don't necessarily label them as bad right their experiences of life so Mm -hmm. you know it it allowed me to be you know to to push myself to this place but obviously to then this place of burnout (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you know of course the catch-22 there but um prior to getting Lyme like my life it looked like I was traveling all the time so I ended up going to PA school studying Western medicine I became an internal medicine travel PA so I lived you know all over the world I lived in Bolivia for a little while I, I worked in like rural Hispanic populations um treating you know illnesses kind of in the internal medicine like family practice area. And like, absolutely loved it was really good at it. And uh, I, I do love medicine, you know, that's such a passion of mine. But that then led me to having that experience of getting sick with, with Lyme disease, and really having a lot of that kind of a combination of those like chronic stress responses remaining on from like unprocessed trauma in my childhood combined with like exposures to living in mold-ridden environments like in Bolivia I was living in this house with mold everywhere and um you know I was bitten by a tick along the way like there was just a lot of things that happened and so how I look at it now like we're always trying to connect the dots of like Mm -hmm. our healing or our um, like perfect storm right like Mm -hmm. we're connecting the dots to how we got there so I how I look at it now is like my physical mental emotional psychological um, processes were all maxed out at that point just Mm -hmm. from like Mm -hmm. having pushed myself and how the body doesn't distinguish between physical and psychological trauma and I'd gotten to this point where you know, my body couldn't process anymore, I was so hyper inflamed. And that's really when I ended up with that diagnosis of of chronic Lyme. But I think that curious person in me, and that person who never gave up, like that, those are some of the qualities that were birthed perhaps out of trauma, perhaps Mm -hmm. I came into this world experiencing them. But those were the qualities that allowed me to advocate for myself during chronic illness, and get to the point where I am today, which is illness free, and running a business while living on the road. And you know, being that person, uh, reconnecting with that person that I always have been.
0: Yeah. It's interesting hearing, you know, this strong persona that you put on and maybe perhaps a little bit of overachieving and overworking. And I like resonate with that too, before I got sick and what I realized now, like those were my survival parts from past trauma and my upbringing, because my mom was a single mom. We were always on the verge of being homeless. So I was like, I'm going to be the first generation college student. I'm going to get this degree. Like I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to, you know, all of those things. And I thought, you know, I was going to school for marriage and family therapy. And I thought a lot of that was, you know, my good intention of wanting to help people. And, and that was there. But I think a lot of it was driven by my past trauma and like me always trying to like prove myself in society, which ended up getting me sick. So I feel like it's, it's hard to know when when our sense of being driven is like hidden in chronic stress, because I know like when I got sick, I was very driven, right? But it was keeping me in a stress response. And then when I got sick, I was driven to heal. And so I started healing from those survival parts, which were the perfectionism and trying to control everything and all of that. So I think when I hear a lot of people's healing journey is they start off still operating in their survival parts as they're trying to heal. And part of that can be good. And part of that can just keep them in that chronic stress response, keeping their nervous system dysregulated, keeping them very symptomatic. So over the years, like I have healed, I would say like this sense of perfectionism and or not healed, but like shed this sense of perfectionism and overachieving and really checking in with myself and making sure it's matching my quality of life because sometimes, you know, we get stuck in that we can't see how it's really affecting our health and especially on our healing journey. So I think that's, you know, an important thing to point out is that there may be chronic stress hidden under these like, quote, unquote, good qualities that we've defined of ourselves. That's an interesting point.
2: And I think of something that's come up for me recently. But the first piece of that is awareness. It's like, what is allowing me to survive or mm-hmm. to cope or yeah. to run away or to stay and fight? Mm-hmm. And if that thing is fulfilling that for you, those are survival responses. So I think of like, for me, travel. So when I, I grew up tra- um, moving all the time and I, I went to like six different high schools, for example, so I moved a lot and That was what I knew to be comfortable. And our brains, our bodies, they love familiarity. They love comfort. Mm -hmm. But then when I started traveling, like I started traveling in PA school, then became a travel PA, what I realized now was I was running away from a lot of sitting still of Mm -hmm. of being with what is of processing and I was using travel as a distraction or as a coping mechanism to you know get away from really the root of where that chronic and at the time I didn't know it was like chronic stress or chronic inflammation but I was trying to get away from kind of that unprocessed trauma so I didn't have to deal with it now I kind of flipped the script. And I'm like, now today, you know, fast forward all these years later, I still love to travel, Mm -hmm. but I no longer use it as a Mm -hmm. get out of jail free card as a coping mechanism to live my life. I use it as like, a fun thing where I can discover more of myself, where I can mm-hmm. connect more with myself, where I can connect with people and, you know, uh, be kind of like, um, this adventurer, which I love, like adventure is one of my core values. So now mm-hmm. I see it from that dis- different perspective, just like you, and kind of um, how you have seen maybe like your perfectionistic kind of skills turn into more organizational, like structural yeah. skills. So we can, we can, like those are part of us, and we can use those pieces of us to our benefit and to aid us in our own growth and evolution
0: process. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Our authentic self versus our survival self. Those are like the things that I work with my clients to understand because a lot of them are still functioning from those survival parts and they have fully identified with that. And if you strip it back, right, like some of those characteristics may be part of our authentic self, right? The things that are naturally how we feel aligned, how we communicate, how we do things, right? but when it's keeping when we're noticing that it's keeping us in a stress response and the reason why we have learned to cope that way then we can connect it back to a survival part and go oh, okay like how can i integrate this how can i understand that in a way that's actually going to be supportive of my healing and not going to be a barrier to my healing so yeah Self protection is an
2: equality. It's not a characteristic. It's a primal response. Mm-hmm. It it mm-hmm. operates from that most primal reptilian and then mammalian emotional feeling reacting brains. So yeah. they're not like things that we chose along the way. And I love to mm-hmm. protect myself. And I love to have these self protection skills. No, this was like necessary for survival. Mm-hmm. So what is underneath of that? Mm-hmm. What what who 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 are you when you're not protecting yourself yeah. and you hear it all the time y'all do you, like if you turn on the tv like a reality tv show I was like you know watching the other day and it was like she was like hi I've had, you know, I've gone through a divorce. I've gone through all these bad relationships. All I want to do now is just protect myself. I don't trust anyone. I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's it's everywhere, right? (laughs) It's everywhere, this protection. It's like, that's not your personality, my friend. That is you protecting. That's you in survival. That's okay. But like, don't claim that that is who you are. That's not, that's your primal response.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And going back to a couple of things that you said prior, um, number one, I think that it's really interesting that there is a common thread between all of us in the community that have had a chronic illness that maybe start to like dissociate from a diagnosis or a lifestyle or anything like that. And we start to simply show who we are underneath the surface and show that and give other people the permission to do so right empowerment and embodiment in who are you? You are not rheumatoid arthritis. You are not lupus. You are not Lyme disease. Like who yeah. are you and what makes you you? And like let's get back to that because that's where you're going to find that joy and that fun and that happiness again. I think that there's like little shifts that happen throughout our journeys where we it starts to click and we we get these opportunities from the universe to step outside of that subconscious programming and to step into a new version of ourselves. But along the way also there are certain like qualities that are integrated from a super young age that either protect us get us out of situations and sometimes we're able to mold that into something that actually benefits us and to kind of like take it from that box of defense mechanism and of, co- of subconscious programming and to shift it into that reprogramming state, that regulated state, that like balance that we really can utilize to move forward and like that movement, right? and sometimes yeah it's absolutely like a forced pivot when you know all of these like lives that we live these things that like you don't choose for yourself you're like I don't want to go through that but then it causes you to move into this version of yourself that you never knew possible and you wouldn't have known possible if it weren't for those things that you went through and I really think that it's amazing to hear from someone like you Um, I always just like connect so much with people that like were in the medical field and you know we're really good at it and loved it but then it's like there's something else there's a different way that I can use these skills that I've learned and there's a different way that I can um, express myself and embody true healing all that to say like sometimes there's like whispers or pushes from the universe that like we try to resist and resist and resist but if we allow ourselves our entire being to go with the flow of it it makes it all just kind of flow into place even when those experiences feel bad. I love that you said there's no good. There's no bad. It's all just simply experiences. And I firmly, firmly believe in that. And in the moment, of course it can be so hard. It can be a lot to process through if something quote unquote bad happens. But I also believe that if you have this like understanding that everything happens the way that it's supposed to, eventually in your life, you will realize why something happened the way it did. Um, And I think that it's something that just like allows you to cling on to that. And then later on, you get to celebrate that. If you continue to bound your belief in this is happening for me, not to me, that movement in your life will be able to happen because of that simple, like small shift in your um, mindset. So I really would love to hear from you, like what? fully led to that pivot for you um, because you have lived a lot of lives, right? Like what led to that pivot to where you are now in your business and like what you offer and what you do? Well, thank you
2: for sharing that Rachel. I think like, I also just want to just point out like it's, it's you, like you need to give yourself the credit that you have had the awareness to say like all of these life experiences that I had aren't bad I have learned from them so you know I like I just think of like the horrible situations people have experienced and you can put such a negative spin on them but if you understand that life is to be had for experiences like that's why we're here (laughs) is to gain experience yeah. so if you know that you know you're able to take those experiences and say oh yeah I did learn from them so it's incredible that you've been able to do that and it it isn't easy to do but when you do it it changes everything so mm-hmm. uh, I when I kind of decided to do this work and start vital side this was probably like six seven years ago and I, you know, had gone through my experience, like working in Western medicine, then I got sick with Lyme disease. And during that time, you know, it it was about a year. And I feel like fortunate in that sense that it was such a short period of time, relatively speaking, but at the time, it was like a lifetime. But I was during that time, just focusing on surviving just focusing on like healing and when i started to use like brain retraining nervous system regulation tools i then you know was really able to connect with that person who I was under all of this again, and kind of challenge myself in small ways with like physical goals and, you know, eating the foods I wanted to eat slowly, but surely reintroducing the things in my life that I really loved and felt, felt connected to. And when I got to the place where I was feeling better, it was about like, probably eight, nine months into my brain retraining journey, I had connected with people. Like I had done a couple, like at the time, there are only like three different programs out there that taught like nervous system regulation tools specific to chronic illness. And I had done all of them. So I had formed a little bit of a community um, with like other brain retrainers and I've always just been a person that people naturally like will ask questions to. And I've always been, you know, my bedside manner has always been top notch. Mm-hmm. So I've always loved that like communication connection with people like that's why I'm here. So I I naturally formed relationships with people and I kind of coached um, some people on their nervous system regulation skills and kind of helped people to refine those skills and personalize them that that's like my favorite thing even to this day to help people personalize the tools to make them work for them Mm -hmm. and I was ready to go back to work and I was talking to my husband and this other doctor that was in in Austin where I live and you know we were talking about what that could look like and Then the thought of like, why don't you just start your own thing kind of presented itself through like, you know, just conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, all the fear starts of like, I don't know how to do that. You know, like Mm -hmm. many of us and I like Googled how to start a business (laughs) and (laughs) I just did steps one through 10 and I started (laughs) checking them off and I was like, I can do this and of course like the first 3 years of my business it was a lot of self doubt it was a lot of confusion i remember like i keep um i keep a this kind of notebook of things that are important to me i write in it like for new year's eve and then i write in it on my birthday and i just keep track of everything and like my intentions and um mm-hmm. you know that. what i what i achieved and stuff like that so my first year working i was like I got 20 clients. I'm so excited. Wrote about my experience with that. And then last year, there was one weekend, two days, I got 111 new clients. And I wrote that down. And I'm like, look, I'm like, (laughs) looking at the, the, uh, the pages. And I'm like, how? freaking cool is that I've had this like for six years now and I can look back and see when I had 20 clients in a year and yeah. now I got 111 yeah. clients in two days like and and so anyway I say that because growth takes time and giving yeah. yourself that patience and I tell like a lot of people now like my employees and you know people who ask me questions or, or, you know, on a podcast or something, they're like, oh, like, you know, it seems like so natural to you. I'm like, talking on social media was very, very hard for me. Mm -hmm. I did not Mm want to get on Instagram. Um, Even to this day, like earlier this year, I did not want to get on TikTok. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not natural, y'all. It is not natural. And so what you need to do is just allow yourself time, practice and patience and give to gain that confidence in what you're doing. Like everyone's like, oh, I've got, um, you know, kind of this belief, like, why should people listen to me? Because you're you and you are unique, just like your nervous system regulation plan is unique. You mm-hmm. are so unique. And so like when you start to shift those limiting beliefs, you can allow yourself that growth. And even like this past weekend on TikTok, it's like. I had one video and I gained like 2,000 followers in overnight. And I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, to me, I, I don't judge that stuff. But like, you know, one of my team members was like, Oh, my God, like, this is amazing. And I'm like, you just speak your story. That's all I'm here to do. I'm like, post the story, get off, do the thing, get off, you know, Mm -hmm. give a talk to um, 50,000 people, whatever it is, like, and just be here to do what you're specifically passionate about. The how of it will come, like the process Mm -hmm. will come. If you stay just divinely focused on your mission, like, Everything else happens and so that I mean that's really how it happened to for me and and continues to happen and I'm just you know I I like to say like vital side, I'm just a facilitator. I think of myself as like an employee as an as a facilitator even though I created the practice and and the programs and stuff. I'm just facilitating it. It's its own entity. So I'm
0: <laughs> uh, I'm
2: just here to be part of it.
0: <laughs> uh, so inspiring and so motivating, especially for both of us, because I'm going on my third year of, you know, putting myself out there as a health coach and it's it's getting better and better each year. But I want to go back to like kind of what Rachel was talking about and what you're talking about is like these ver- these like characteristics of ourself that maybe, you know, have been detrimental at some points of our lives, but that as we've healed and regulated our nervous system, they've become actually useful and supportive to the life that we're trying to create, especially like in business. And I think back to like my old self, like I used to pride myself on like, oh, I'm real, da-da-da, I'm straightforward. I'm like, you know, direct with people. And when I think back, like, those qualities of being authentic and like speaking my truth and not being afraid of what people are going to say or think about it has always been there but because i was in that nervous system state of fight right it was like protective you know it didn't come off the way that i wanted it to and so now that i've been on this healing journey you know a lot of what people like about me uh, from my following is like i love how authentic and genuine you are with this information but I'm giving it to them in a way that is rooted in presence and groundedness versus that fight, you know, protective state that I had been in. And so, you know, sharing on social media over the last seven years, especially starting off in the beginning, seven years ago, when I was talking about, you know, how food impacted autoimmune symptoms. And now I am talking about how the nervous system affects autoimmune symptoms, I got a lot of backlash, you know, from the chronic illness community of like, what are you talking about? You're spreading <laughs> lies, da-da-da-da-da. Right. But I was like, I need to keep sharing this because this is my truth, right? But I've learned over these years how to share that truth from a true authentic self-state of groundedness and presence and genuine desire to help people because I've genuinely helped myself. So I couldn't have done this. I couldn't have arrived at this place where people can perceive me as authentic if I didn't authentically show up for myself every single day on this journey and do the deep inner work, understand my survival parts, understand that this real I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it on (laughs) podcast, but this real version of myself was there was you know, a, uh, you know, a lot of people used to say like, oh, you're intimidating this and that, you know, I gave off that energy of that, you know, being whatever people perceived. me. But the point is now it's, it's very different, but it's rooted in that groundedness and that presence and being in that ventral vagal state instead of that fight or flight state. Right. So yeah. I think as we evolve and our nervous system regulates, you know, Our behaviors change, our emotions change, our energy change, like everything. So I think all three of us, like we're here because we've really done the work like on ourselves and we continue to do the work. It's not arriving at any destination. Like I talked about, like I tell my clients, like I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still evolving. And Mm. that, that honesty and that transparency is Real and it's genuine and it's not it's authentic. And it's so exciting to meet people like you who have really done the work and continue to do the work and you're able to show up for other people and truly be supportive of their healing instead of just do this one thing, I know all the answers and da-da-da-da. It's like taking in account the person as a whole. So yeah, that's that's all I just want to add to that <laughs> conversation backtrack like on both that. of your very long thoughtful <laughs> like good good pieces of uh, information that you guys both had and i was trying to like tie it back in together because i think our nervous system state is going to dictate our behaviors mm-hmm. it's going to dictate the way we show up in the world and so i couldn't show up the way i am now as a as a coach if i really haven't if i really didn't do that deeper level of work on myself
1: I mean, it's just like one, like I've said it probably multiple times on this podcast. You don't know until you know, and then you know, and you can't unknow right? Like we're only where we can be at a certain point of our journey. Just like we talked at the beginning of this podcast episode about like flexibility at the beginning of our journey, we thought we were flexible. And now we look back and we're like, Whoa, same thing. It's not like at the beginning of your journey, you started sharing and you're like, Oh, I'm like going to say I'm real. No, you genuinely sharing your truth. You genuinely were being real of where you were at that point. And now you just have so much more like expansion under your belt and like depth to your persona. And like, you, you know, the way, that you want to share and you know the way that you want to impact people's lives in such a deeper way and again in two years from now it'll be even deeper than that and that is the beauty that is the movement i feel like we just keep coming back to this which i absolutely love that there's like um this kind of thread throughout this whole episode of that movement of life right and allowing that growth and allowing that expansion and finding that awareness within yourself is like the number one key to any of that yeah, beautiful.
2: Nervous system regulation is the foundation which leads to self-acceptance, accept mm-hmm. the, accept your own evolution, right? Accept yep. your own journey and embrace it. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. And I have a question for you because, you know, Lyme is one of these like kind of tricky, you know, diseases that people get. And it's like, there's not a consistency in the community. I feel like when it comes to understanding Lyme disease. So from my perspective, you know, hearing people get Lyme disease, right. They say like, I was bitten by this tick. Are there other people that are getting bitten by the tick that don't end up experiencing these chronic symptoms? Because for me, like you said, like, it was kind of like this, uh, tipping point of all these other things that were happening in your life. And then you started having Lyme uh, symptoms. Is it like, if someone is in a truly like regulated state, they have healthy habits, healthy behaviors, all of this, right. They get bitten by a tick. Are they going to show the symptoms in a way that somebody would, if they were like, totally, you know, they're dysregulated, they're in chronic stress. Like what is your perception on that?
2: Well, the answer is yes. People can be bitten by a tick and you know if their blood was tested and they have a Lyme bacteria Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know that is absolutely possible and it's a huge percentage of people that Mm -hmm. actually have this I wouldn't necessarily say like oh if you are regulated you wouldn't have any symptoms I I don't know exactly that is one factor but there's likely other factors but My perspective on it now Mm -hmm. is we live symbiotically with parasites, with bacteria, Mm -hmm. with viruses. And what is it that we can do? What is possible for us? So something that happens when you have a chronic stress response, you're stuck in that state of chronic stress. And again, not just psychological, emotional but your mm-hmm. body's communicating a threat again and again, your blood brain barrier, which is a series of blood vessels that kind of weed out toxins and viruses and stuff like that naturally becomes more permeable. So that means you can mm-hmm. become more susceptible. Yeah. To a virus or a bacterial infection or these types of things. So, what is it that you can do well you can focus on decreasing your inflammation through communicating a new response right one mm-hmm. of safety and ease so basically like when people ask me that question i i like when i work with someone we i know what their diagnosis is the first day after mm-hmm. that we don't i don't hear about it again we have specific language we use and we don't even talk about it again. So I wouldn't even be able to tell you what people have because we're dealing with that chronic stress response. Mm-hmm. So that's the trajectory is to calm that stress response and see how the body responds. Because when you are able to access that rest and digest response and change your neurochemistry, change your brain body communication, inflammation decreases. Decreases your immune starts, your immune system starts to work for itself again. You start to detox better. You start to digest well. There's so many added benefits. Everyone responds in a different way. Yeah. So if you tested every single person with like a blood test, some sort of like sensitivity test or test for virus bacteria every single person is going to have something. So if you look for something, you will get something, you will get some sort of diagnosis, whether you have symptoms or not. So Mm -hmm. my suggestion to most people is pay attention to how you're feeling, pay attention to your body's experience of life. And that's where you can start. Like, of Mm -hmm. course, there's always going to be backlash of like, but Lindsay, I need to get tested. And Lindsay, I need to do this. I need to, there's always going to be something that's part of life. So Mm -hmm. what is it that you're comfortable with? For most people, they've already gone down that route. And so now it's like, how how are you feeling? How are you feeling day to day? What are your body's responses and start there and focus Mm -hmm. on what you can do? What is possible for you?
0: Yeah. Chronic stress is definitely makes you more susceptible, right? Because when you're under chronic stress, your immune system is suppressed. So you can't fight off things the way that you naturally would if you're under chronic stress. So I think, you know, the key word there is like susceptibility, not Like, not like anyone's immune to it just because they're regulated. But if you are under a chronic state of stress and you have, you know, unhealthy habits and you're not eating right and you're not treating yourself right, you may be more susceptible to developing these chronic symptoms and they may be more severe than somebody else that is not in that situation. The other thing that I was going to say is like, you know, I've had tons of gut microbiome tests working with the naturopathic doctor over the last 7 years and I get my you know gut microbiome test back and it looks terrible on paper right like inflammation gut dysbiosis like overgrowth of bad bacteria And then, you know, I think about my husband, right? And I'm like, we're eating literally the same meals every single day together. And yet he doesn't have, you know, these chronic symptoms or like his body doesn't respond in a way that my body responds to. So like the individuality of all of us and, you know, how our body is going to respond is like, we don't know. Like there's many, many factors because you know, somebody could have the genetic predisposition like me for rheumatoid arthritis and they may not develop it in their lifetime. Right. But I was 28 when I got diagnosed and working full-time, going to school full-time under chronic stress and, you know, trauma that I had experienced and just literally all of these things that made it, made me susceptible to getting rheumatoid arthritis at 28 years old, you know? So you just never know it's like it's all about you know just doing the best that you can to really prioritize your well-being and i think one of my missions on social media specifically too is like preventative be proactive with it like don't wait till you get a tick and then you're like oh no i have to regulate and da da da, da, da. it's like if you just support your body through you know, the best way that you can, like you're giving yourself a better shot to not end up with disease and having to go through this whole thing, because it's, it's not easy healing. It is not, you know, it is, it takes work. It takes time. It takes conscious effort. It's not like a one-step detox or treatment that you go through, then all of a sudden you're done. So when it comes to like, uh like detoxes and treatments, and I want to talk about this just a little bit, just because. I know a few people that are dealing with chronic Lyme disease, and you know some of these people in the community are like heavily focused on the detoxes and the juicing and the herbs and da da da. da. And it's like, how much of that do you believe is really, you know, helping them heal?
2: Well, and to go back to to your first point, like you you pay attention to the eighty year old who smokes a pack a day. Mm -hmm. And has gone through six divorces and never has been like sick a day in their life, right? And has Mm -hmm. no chronic illness. And you ask why, like, why, why do they like they eat like a Big Mac like every meal? Like, why, why aren't they healing? And so there's like questions that you just can't answer. But those aren't the people who are listening to this podcast. Like, the people Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast are like, I have symptoms, I, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. But I think awareness has a lot to do with it. I think awareness of your body, I think awareness of how you're experiencing life has a lot to do with it. So when you become aware, you can have some of those like heightened symptoms, but then you take that proactive care, Uh you know, like you said, that preventative care. So a lot of questions we just can't answer. I've given my mental body permission not to answer those questions so yeah that's okay I won't I won't know all the answers but to go back to your question of like how much detox like do I believe is necessary whatever's right for you whatever feels good to you like when I went through my journey of Lyme I'm a very um all or nothing Person again. Where did that come from?
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but mm-hmm. very I common. Like... <laughs> very common in a lot of people that have chronic, have mm-hmm. dealt with chronic symptoms or autoimmune diseases. Like a very all or nothing kind of mentality about life. It's interesting. So I
2: went into it like I'm going to do everything. Like you probably name a treatment, I tried it, and mm-hmm. I didn't feel better. Literally nothing made me feel better until I started regulating my nervous system. Mm-hmm. And my doctors were like, how? Like, how? You've gone through all this detox. You've gone through all this treatment. Like, how are you not feeling better? So there is now how I look at it is like, I look at um my body as its own entity. And then over here is like, kind of my mind, and then the connection I have to my body, like brain, mind, and connection I have to my body. So I think of my body is almost a separate entity. And so now I'm like, what what is going to make you feel good? Like, what do you need? And it may be mm-hmm. something different from what I think that I need, because it's not about thinking, it's about feeling, it's about responding and addressing the soma, the somatic piece, the body piece. And- So when you are asking yourself, like how much detox is necessary for you, ask your body, like Mm -hmm. begin to even start the communication with your body and it it can start a simple with a simple question of like, body, what do you need? And you may not hear anything, right? You may not experience Mm -hmm. anything and that's fine. But even just posing that question, your body like perks up and it's like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe you get like a little twitch and you're like, oh, I need to go for a walk, right? Like, what is it that you need? So, when it comes to detox, like it all depends, it's person specific. Like, I have a team member who works for me, and she started, she became a member of vital side. Pretty much everyone that's been on my team has been a member of vital side first, which is really cool. And, um, she started vital side for like mold illness and for, um, you know, actually RA was one of them and a couple other diagnoses, but her three kids were sick too. Mm. So she was like, what do I need to do? Well, the first thing was like mold remediation in the house and a certain level of detox. Mm-hmm. But that, and that was helpful. And she, like, you know, now she's a vital side coach, which is really cool. But she, she always talks about that. Like, yeah, that was necessary for me in my healing journey to even get to the point where I thought about nervous system regulation mm-hmm. as yep. a yep. tool. So I think like, from experience, do what feels best for you, necessary mm-hmm. for your body to feel comfortable and confident moving on to the next step. And yeah. how I live my life today, I don't have any restrictions. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I eat like you know I, I just went to this local creamery I'm I'm in the on the Oregon coast and I went and had a big old ice cream like <laughs> fresh ice cream scoop the other day it's like I don't have restrictions in general I eat well I eat like organic foods that feel good to my body and like grass-fed meats and these types of things things from the earth um take supplements if I feel like I want them but again I don't rely on any particular way and I think a certain level of detox is necessary just for general life but when you're Mm -hmm. dealing with a chronic illness it's so specific to you and your needs so check in with your body about what that can look like or a trusted practitioner who like has your back and is not just throwing everything at you at once yeah
0: Yeah, that's a, that's couldn't be a better response because I truly believe that like you, that's why it's called a journey, right? That's why I continuously call it a healing journey because, because I did all the detoxes because I did juicing because I took all these treatments because you know, all the supplements, I had to go through all of that, figure it out and weed out the things that were necessary for me and the things that weren't necessary for me and the things that were causing me more stress and the things Mm -hmm. that actually made me feel grounded and balanced within my body and mind. So it is definitely a journey for people. And, you know, everyone's going to go through their own process of elimination. And finally, I think like with you and me and Rachel, like, there's been a lot of elimination of the processes, right? It's like you, it, things get simplified and simplified. And I think that is the part of regulation, the simplifying things, the not overcomplicating, the not overthinking, the not overdoing. Because a lot of clients that come to me, they're like waking up, they're doing their meditation, they're making their juice, they're da-da-da. It's like all these things. And I'm like, well, maybe the healing is in the slowing down maybe the Mm -hmm. healing is in the pause. Maybe the healing is in the, you know, not overthinking it and just trying to tap into what genuinely feels good to you versus the standard or expectation that you've put on yourself. So in the end, it's like, some of these things may help you, some of them may not. But at like, what we talk about a lot on this podcast is like, Do you like figure it out Mm. for yourself, like Rachel and I and you like we're here, we have wisdom, we have knowledge, we have, you know, information, we have experience to share with you. But at the end of the day, I would never create a routine for my client to do and I would never tell them what to eat. You have to figure these things out because at the end of the day, we are our own self healers and we know more than anybody else on the planet what is going to support our healing. Mm-hmm. intuitively on such a d- deeper level than like the human
1: brain can even comprehend is the really important piece of that and I love that you talk so much about simplification I just was in uh, Michigan this past weekend visiting family and I was there for a wedding and my grandma she stopped in the middle of a meal like we are all sitting around the table my mom my stepdad my boyfriend my cousin in from Russia like everyone and she was like Rachel what changed and I was like what? (laughs) And she was like, (laughs) the way you approach everything is so different now than last year when I saw you, she was like, you're eating, like you're trying different things. Like you're not scared of food. Like you're not like super strict on like your daily routine. And it really was a good period of reflection for me after she said that, because More than anything, it really is the simplification. It is doing less. It is finding out like, what are the things that make me feel really good, but that I do not have to do every single day? Because if you're really having to do the same things every single day in a strict schedule and this and that, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, but like, are you truly healed? Because otherwise, if you were to pluck out one of those things, and then you instantly go into a flare up, like you're not actually supporting yourself, you're causing so much more stress than anything. And truly, especially within the last year, but I would say the last three years of my journey, it's been slowly plucking away and realizing like, These are the things that did make me feel good. And like you said, like sometimes there are certain like detoxes and things that will help you in a certain period of time, but then you have to realize when it's time to let that go. So like for me, There was almost two straight years where I was juicing celery every single morning and it did make me feel really good. It it reduced flare ups, all of these things. And then at a certain point, I had that self-introspection to say, Hey, on the days that I'm not now able to juice because I'm too busy or I don't have the energy, it's actually causing me more stress and guilt of not doing the thing. So why even have that on my mind? Why not just say, Hey, if I feel like I want to do it one day, I'll do it. And if I don't, I don't. And I kind of like again, came at that from a scope of curiosity. Let's see what happens. Maybe I will, maybe I'll still have lower flares because look, I'm doing all of these other things on a daily, weekly, whatever basis that don't feel stressful, that are regulating my nervous system, that are making me feel more aligned with my life. And guess what? I've been totally fine ever since. And that was one of the big things that my grandma was like, wait, you're not ju- like, you don't do celery at all anymore. What?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that external validation, like when grandma sees it, you know, that yeah. you're doing something right? <laughs> different. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so cool. And like, look, at, at the beginning, you need that structure. A lot of people mm-hmm. at the beginning need some structure. We love structure. But what what nervous system regulation allows you is if you have that practice kind of that you're committing to daily, then you start very quickly to then give yourself permission to adapt to change to Mm -hmm. do things differently. So I think I think that's really cool. And it's nice getting grandma's like acceptance (laughs) and in life. It's it's great. (laughs)
0: Uh, I love all of this. But the things that we kind of want to end on is like, what values do you embody on a regular basis? And then you can end with one practice or tip or technique for our listeners to implement daily to um, to support them on their healing journey.
2: Cool. Yeah. Uh, What values do I embody daily? Um, Integrity for me is number one number one all the time I don't think mm-hmm. it's something I chose I think it's something I <laughs> I came into this life with um integrity and you know just kind of expanding on that like authenticity and doing what feels the best and doing doing what's right so um yeah, before before I do a podcast, before I create, before I meet with a client or a group session, like I always check in with myself to make sure that it's aligning with integrity. Um, that's that's something that I kind of naturally do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, integrity freedom is a big one in my life, is like maintaining freedom, like freedom to have adventures, freedom for flexibility. And really purpose, like connecting to my purpose daily. I mean, obviously, as entrepreneurs, like you all know that purpose is huge. It is the thing that gets you through when you're in a lull or when you're feeling unmotivated. And values, I I love that you all talk about values because they're very different from emotions. So you can have that lack of motivation, the feeling of hopelessness, and still maintain integrity and still mm-hmm. express freedom and still be able to connect with purpose. Emotions are complex and we move through all of them, but it is our values that we come back to.
0: Absolutely.
2: So, a uh, simple practice that you can kind of leave with today. And, and when I do these for podcasts, like, obviously, it's uh, something kind of quick that you can use in the moment to kind of reconnect with yourself or model to your body a new way of being. So just keep keeping that in mind because there's definitely longer practices that I teach in vital side memberships but allowing yourself to connect with something today so the one I'll mention is before (laughs) Um, sorry I'm like I already love I know I love (laughs) before before you eat your next meal let's say before you eat your next meal close your eyes and check in with yourself are you experiencing fear Are you experiencing maybe like anticipation or maybe even recognizing like what what you feel in your gut? Like, how does that feel for you? We all go into meals in a different way. A lot of it is like with stress, like having to eat. So, So take a moment, take 30 seconds and check in with yourself how you're feeling in your body and allow yourself to take an inhale in through the nose And just do a sigh of relief out the mouth like, ah, and then bring up the butterfly hug to your chest. And so just kind of crossing your thumbs over each other, making a butterfly to your chest. And allow yourself to just tap at your own pace with your eyes closed, breathing in on breathing out, giving you a little bit of bilateral stimulation between the right side of your brain, left side of your brain. This is a great reprocessing tool to connect with a different way of being. So maybe for you that's calm, maybe it's connection, maybe it's ease, whatever it is that you choose to feel right before this nourishing, satiating meal, tapping back and forth for about a minute in time and then pause with your eyes closed, bring to mind an experience where food allowed you freedom, freedom to move, freedom to express yourself or connect with others like your family and your grandma eating the most scrumptious meal that you absolutely love. Bring to mind the tastes of the food and how the food feels on your tongue and in your mouth as you swallow this nourishing food any smells that you notice in this moment, citrus or fresh cup of coffee, and anything you hear around you, laughter, voices. Maybe you recognize yourself telling a funny story at the dinner table, closing your eyes and bringing this experience to mind for 30 seconds. And at the end of that 30 seconds, naming the emotion this allows you to feel joy, love, peace, whatever it is that you feel in this moment and then start your meal. So that's 30 seconds of checking in, a minute of breath and butterfly hug and 30 seconds of visualizing a moment in time where food allowed you freedom. So three things, two minutes altogether right before you eat your next meal and recognize, notice how that makes a shift for you as you eat and even as you digest your food afterwards. And there've been studies that getting into that state of parasympathetic rest and digest allows you, you know, obviously with rest and digest, even thinking about that makes sense. You're able to digest your food better, but overall feel that connection to safety before you move through this metabolic process.
0: Oh my gosh, Thank all of our so listeners much. are going to love this because <laughs> so many of them struggle with diet and you know, constantly worrying about their food and if it's going to cause them a reaction and what, you know, what foods are good, what foods are bad, but I really think you know, connecting back to what state you're in before you eat your food is the most important part because Mm -hmm. you're not going to be receiving the true benefits if your body is in a stress response.
2: Like allow that fear response. If you're like in that 30 seconds check-in, your voice is like, oh, fear freaking out. Yeah. Allow it to talk. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times that protection just wants to be heard and then move through this exercise. Again, keeping in mind modeling, modeling. Like this is what safety could look like that voice is totally fine but now you're teaching it a new way of being Mm -hmm. that actually may be more helpful to you
1: yeah I love the idea of approaching like anything that comes to your mind allowing it to happen because you have the tools such as the butterfly hug one of my absolute favorite tools for like in the moment is like you know that you have tools to like keep that at bay, but you have to give it its moment, right? And then you can kind of start to neutralize it, and then you can start to move into a different type of um, being or feeling. And I absolutely like love, love, love the way that you explain this, and like taking your time to really go deep into this with listeners. So thank you, seriously, so so much.
2: Awesome, thank you. This has been really cool. Love, love talking to you both, Eric and Rachel. Y'all are awesome, and I know your listeners. You know, just respect and trust the process that y'all are on. And I think sharing our journeys is the best thing that we can do. And I know it'll resonate with someone somewhere. And that's the most important thing.
1: Absolutely. So where can our listeners find you after uh, they listen to this episode? Cause guaranteed they're going to be like, I need to connect yeah. with this person. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Yes, you can find me on social media, Instagram, or TikTok at my vital side. Uh, I will also be offering your listeners a discount on the rewire membership. So that's for people who have chronic illness, and chronic physical symptoms. I think a lot of times, you know, they hear a nervous system regulation, you're dealing with a chronic illness. And you're like, I don't have the wherewithal, the awareness to even start regulating my nervous system. So that's really designed for you. I started the, the program I put together. It's my signature, most comprehensive course. And when I put it together, I was bedridden. And so I was just working on like raising my hand over my head to wash my hair. Like that was super painful not something I was capable of doing. So check out rewire membership and I'll offer your listeners a discount code and I'm sure you'll put it somewhere in the show notes.
1: Yes. Thank you so yes. much, by the way, that is so kind of you to offer for anyone listening mm-hmm. that discount code is autoimmune you 20 for 20% off. Um, and that's seriously like such a kind offering. We appreciate it so much. I know our listeners appreciate it. And I'm really excited for people to be able to check you out um, behind the scenes of the podcast or social media um, and see all of your amazing offerings. But thank you so much for coming on. This was absolutely a pleasure. And we are excited to keep in touch. Thank cool, you. Thank you all. Yeah, thank that you. was awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.